0: Hamadi, what's going on, bro? I appreciate you doing this. No worries. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. (laughs) Where are you calling me from? Uh, I'm in Paris right now. What food back home from Senegal do you miss the most? Do I miss
1: the most? Wow. I can't say really that I miss so much because I kind of get home cooking out here. All right. Uh, Yeah, I I can't really say that I miss it so much, but uh, I have this favorite joint that's called Super Kanja. Um it's um uh, I, I couldn't tell you how to make it. I've never made it in my life, but what kind of food um, is it um it's a mixture almost of everything you can put chicken fish uh um uh, what you call it shrimp um uh everything like anything mixed together with uh um man it's just so delicious oh, it's is uh, okra is do you say okra 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 there you go there that's the that's the main piece of the dish where you kind of got rice and some some people like it with rice but like my mother doesn't eat it with rice but that's one of the things for me It's top notch or or the most famous is yassa stuff of, whole, course. Well, of
0: course. you and I know that
1: you know the Yasa, you know. That's why I usually go with Super Kanja because a lot of people don't know it. I'm just trying to bring light to it a bit, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so, Hamidi, your basketball story is awesome. But before we talk about that, I'm going to use you as my travel agent because it looks like I'm going to Senegal in November to watch the World Cup qualifying match. How sick is soccer watching it out there? Is it nuts?
1: Yeah. Oh, I can tell you that right there soccer is it. So that you're going to have to go check it out. You're going to have to live it. Um, You're going to have to live with uh, it's an experience really going to Senegal. Um, I love basketball. Yeah, but um, I I can admit that soccer is is and don't call it soccer either. Oh, never, never football. football. Football, do not do not mess around. It's it's football out there, and they don't play around with their players either. The, the Senegalese people will not play around. They don't joke around their football at
0: all. When's the last time you you've been back?
1: I just got back this summer. Actually, uh, it was um, I didn't. I was stuck here since COVID 2019. Sure. I I came 2019, oh. and um I was I, I didn't leave France until this past summer, basically, oh where God. I could go home and see my family. Yeah, yeah. So this past summer was my first time like going back and spending time. I was supposed to go for two weeks. I ended up staying for a month and a half. I was <laughs> just like, I don't want to leave. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's it's so awesome. You need you need to go back, resource yourself. You gotta get back to. To the roots, and for me, it's not even like to to be honest. I don't even go to Dakar when I get to Senegal. Wow, I, I don't. I I I'd rather stay away from Dakar as much as I possibly can. Um, my village is uh, Ngaparu is called. It's um, you probably heard of Sally, mm-hmm. of course. It's the most touristic area about. Yes, and right before you get to Sally, you have Ngaparu. So um, it's a little low key village where literally I just. I lock myself in. I go there and forget about the world. It's, it's over with. I'm good.
0: <laughs> if I go to the Capitol, what mm-hmm. things do I have to see? I know I have to see the African uh, Re- Resistance Monument, that monument with the mother and father and the son. I heard the that's new like monument. epic, right?
1: That's, that's, that's the new epic thing, really. Um, I, I drove past it a couple times this summer, and uh, you, you kind of just, whoa, this is huge. And you can actually go to the top. You can actually go so to the top. You get
0: sick so, views, right?
1: Yes, you can actually do that. I haven't done it myself, uh, but you can do it. It will be an experience. You're going to have to go to Goree. Okay, that's that's a must. You gotta go to gore Island uh, and and visit the the entire the entire grounds the stories hear the stories and everything that 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 happened there um to this day whenever i go i still feel get chills like um going going to the slave house and realizing exactly how things really happened over there they explained in details um even give you the chains and certain things that you're gonna you're gonna get through and you just Ooh, you can feel that you heavy. can feel the yeah yeah, you can and the stories behind it, behind the door door of no return, and do, those details are um stuff you're going to have to really um just take in. It's uh it's a it's a moment of
0: culture. Uh you just have to you just have to take everything in and live it. Now, what about the Pink Lake? Is that a tourist thing or is that something cool to see? It it's
1: uh uh for me who's from there i'm going to say it's a tourist thing uh my wife asked me to take her and i was like "Um, i'm not really into going right there uh because you're just gonna drive there see it take a picture and then ride back so (laughs) um but it's it's still it's still really a nice trip to take you could see uh uh, Ngora Island mm-hmm. which is a uh, nice clear blue waters and uh really amazing trip also there um and then don't just stay in the capital travel around like there are really historic places that you can you can get to uh go to um uh, what is it called the with through the trip with the the lions and the animals the um, I'm having a like safari right the safari yes uh it's it's going to be amazing actually Rutgers went to went there this summer Mm -hmm. uh right after me and they had an amazing trip I was watching it online and I was like I wish I can go back just now (laughs) just just to be with you guys like it was uh it was really awesome to see them actually live it and um the people that with who I was out there uh were calling me and were like this is awesome I'm like you got to you get to really be in my home. This is like...
0: This oh, how, is. Pr- how proud were you?
1: Oh, It was amazing, honestly. Um, I don't even think the players there can know. I don't even know if they know who I am. But I, to me, it meant the world to have my school actually be able to go there. Uh, the coaches get to meet the people. Um, I had a teammate right now that was there at the moment that took a picture with them. And I'm sitting there like... <laughs> I'm so jealous, yeah! I don't you don't <laughs> even understand,
0: Hamidi? <laughs> how heavy is your name there? So if I go to Senegal, I tell them you and I are pretty much best friends now. Are you known there? Everyone there knows you, right?
1: No. What? Even if I even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> <laughs> see. Uh, I I I truly, I believe personally. I think it's me just always humbling myself. I don't think. I've had an impact uh, in Senegal. Um, they they know they even gave me a nickname out there uh, that really really is awesome for me. And whenever people talk about me out there, I I kind of get humbled real quick and realize, man, I've done something great, and I uh, enjoyed the, the 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 passage, the journey that I've taken to be able to inspire a lot of players and uh, people all around and things like that. Um, but I would never tell you that people know me cuz even I still get surprised. When I get when I get home and people are like, "Oh my god, I'm the end!" I'm like, uh, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. Wow. don't that's uh, I'm not that type of person."
0: <laughs> Grown up, you were a soccer player, of course, right? You loved it? No. Nope. Wow. No.
1: I was uh just, okay, honest time. I didn't like sports. Okay. Um, I wasn't really into sports. I was more of a geek uh and soccer for me with these long legs were not really the deal um I was a great goalie obviously <laughs> um I was amazing goalie that yeah. that right there was my thing and I love tackling people defense you translated in ba- basketball for some reason uh I did not care about scoring goals still translates in basketball uh but uh I just enjoyed like flying around, jumping or trying to grab everything, every kick and all the, like I enjoyed that part, but sports honestly was not really my thing. I was really, really shy. Wow. Uh, Didn't enjoy talking at all. And uh, I was very reserved for some reason. Like I didn't interact with people. Even in my own family, it was hard for me to communicate. I didn't really like uh, letting people in, which now I talk a lot. I give a lot of stories and stuff like that, but I still am pretty, pretty reserved. I don't really give or talk a lot about myself or anything like that because, uh, I just don't know why really. (laughs) I enjoy my privacy and just being low key and doing my, my, my job to the T and enjoying everything that I do. So, um, I let the work speak for itself for the most part, but yeah,
0: go ahead. When did basketball come into the picture then?
1: So, um, that basketball first, when I started as a young, my mom wanted me to get into sports. Um, and she had me going to a guy named Leth when I was very young, uh, just to try to get into sports. And I didn't enjoy it as much back then. Um, I, I wanted it, but you know, when you don't have a goal, mm-hmm. when, you, when, uh, it's just a sport, but you don't see a vision behind it. I don't know what what I can really deal with it. Um, the professional athletes back then in Senegal were absolutely not making any money, and that okay. wasn't really something my father would even allow me. I had to sneak around to trying to even go play, do something. Wow. Other yes, like everything was about school. Schoolwork was all my father cared about, and you better you better bring out the grades and everything, or <laughs> to you in trouble. So. Sports was not really the thing I, I I put my mind into, and then you're sweating all over the place. You come back stinking, and
0: who wants to do all that? Like. That's a, a lot no, of no gr- no girls is talking to you when you're stinking, that's why.
1: Oh no, no. That was I I had I could talk to the, the girls and everything. And like I, I was already tall enough. I was yeah. the biggest <laughs> everywhere that I went. So it seemed like I was seven years older than I was already, but uh back there I was so young and it was just like, Man, this is not the sports thing. These guys are physical. Um and I remember uh a challenge where i, I just told the story this summer actually where i was in high school and uh this these guys used to play basketball in uh, what we call recreation is the the break time and they used to play basketball and one of those guys who i saw this summer uh challenged me and was like you're so tall and skinny you you're not even able to dunk a basketball like pfft, you don't you have no purpose now Again, girls come into the picture where I go. I was surrounded by girls and everything, and I had to prove myself to these people. Like, you're not going going to just check me and I'm not going to respond. Um, and when I tell the story, because I got up, got the ball, and I attempted to dunk and missed the whole thing, um, but I didn't realize I had on Tim's. But I lived, I was in um it was like a, how you call it, the the people that lived in the school? Mm-mm. Uh, that's that, like I lived you, in. You were school. like
0: dorming there, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I had dorms in there. So at night, when we got out to to for our break at night, I would go to the court and try to na- trying na- to attempt that dunk until the day I actually one day I, he challenged me again, and I got up, and that was my first ever dunk, and I broke the rim. It was literally I it the um how you call it the the screw blew up and flew right past my ear and i was just like it did i didn't come down with the rim but it was just awesome that something broke from the rim and i was just like
0: oh "Oh, snap like this really happened now did you have a big audience there was there a lot of people watching that
1: Well, there was a couple of girls. That's all. That's all that matters. (laughs) That's all that mattered to me back then. It was just like uh, it was. It was awesome to actually have that, but that still wasn't the reason I started basketball. Um, It was uh, this uh, this guy named Babacar that actually found me. Um, Well, I had started a little bit, but he said some crucial words to me. He found me one day. Uh, He, Babacar is not that tall, but he was surrounded by seven footers. And I saw him in the street, and he just came up and said, "I watch you watch you practice just now. You have a lot of energy and everything, but um, I might have a I might have an opportunity for you to uh, learn this game and make something out of it." Didn't know what it was or what he wanted from me. I brought him to my house that day, and was like, "Mom, that that's Bob Car. I just met him. He said he can teach me basketball. What's up?" Like, um, my father wasn't really with it. But my mom was like, we're going to do it. Uh, we're we going to make it happen. So to test me, he goes, uh, tomorrow, 6 a.m., meet me in the gym. Uh, and when you go there, you will probably go past a gym. Uh, uh, one of It was the only one at the time, a stadium called Marish Njai. Um It was one of the only stadium there. And He was like, you meet me there at 6 a.m. I'm, what, 15, 16-year-old. You're telling me to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning before going to school, go work out, and then go to what are you talking about? Like, I looked at my mom like, you really about to take me there at six o'clock in the morning? Like, I don't play this thing like that. I'm not that good to be going at six o'clock in the morning uh, with a guy I don't even know. And she was like, don't worry, I'll handle it. So she took me there in the morning. And um, I remember walking into the gym, it was dark. And it was a bunch of guys, muscular. um, And I was just like amazed that all these talents and I didn't even know how to dribble a ball. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So So, you, so how do you learn those do you, moments?
0: Do you learn just from that gym? Are you out there? Are you watching videos? Like, how do you even learn from not dribbling a ball? Obviously, you can dunk because you're high How do you, you develop the game?
1: Um, To be honest, always hard work. There was nothing It's typical to say because it wouldn't put it, it. The hard work saying hard work. It's easy for everybody to say. Um, but what I had to go through was absolutely knowing I'm not at the level of anybody in this gym. I don't have the background of these guys that have been playing for a long time. Um, and I have a lot of catching up to do. So the one thing I always had was the heart. And I've always been that guy that just go, I'm not going to let anyone outwork me. I don't care who you are. I don't know what you can do or whatever. I'm never gonna let you outwork me. Uh, at the end, I'm gonna be as tired as you or more tired than you because I'm gonna give everything that I got. And I just started seeing progress little by little. Like he had me not even dribbling on the floor for on the first day. I remember him just giving me a basketball and having me dribb- dribbling standing up, like vertically on the wall like this. And he was just like, just get your touch. And I still remember the, the, the thing. And he was just like, don't use your palm, use your fingers and just trying to, trying to dribble it on the wall. And those little details where I was just like, whoa. And I'm, wa- I'm doing that while watching real guys dunking and going super hard, like playing real basketball. And I'm just like, how are these guys doing these things? Like he's flying to the rim. This guy is amazing. Like, do you see the muscles? Do you see his chest? Like, I don't have this. I'm skinny. I'm 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 talking about like the skinniest thing you can even imagine. I'm like, if he hits me, I'm dead. There is (laughs) nothing like. (laughs) But they told me that the first time I actually stepped on the court with the guys, they all remembered it. They remembered it more than me because I probably was all in panic mode. But everyone told me the story where where they were just like, you was ridiculous. ridiculous you was flying all over the place trying to block everything like you just was jumping at anything everywhere the moment the ball was there you were just in the air like everyone was so amazed that it was like really I thought I was horrible like I didn't think of myself that way because I've always seen the reality I've never boasted or put myself at a level that I'm not I know I have work to do to this day Mm -hmm. the reason I'm still playing is because i'm still chasing this invisible i had a uh i will tell you later on it's it's like an invisible chase i'm chasing myself uh, i'm not in competition with anybody it was always a competition with me and the competition
0: with the dude in the mirror
1: that's it It that was, he, he, I, and this dude was horrified like he woke up before me. He went to the gym before me. He he put in two hours of work before I got to the gym. So I was chasing a guy that never existed to this day. And I use him to this day. Like, I get up and I feel some type of way. And I'm just like, yeah, what that guy would have said to you? And I'm just like, no, nah, uh-uh, I got to go. I, I got to get to the gym now. Like, and it helped my career. But it is it is really a power to have to be able to, I never put nobody that I know that I played against or whatever. It was never like direct competition with a person. It was somebody that never existed that is better than me. And that guy is who I'm still chasing to this day. And it helped me develop a a mental block into everything that all excuses and all these things. I didn't have one because that guy didn't have excuses, (laughs) you know, so that's kind of how. It uh, worked out, in Car, um, and Babacar was a crucial part in that development. that He really explained a lot of things, and I'm I'm one of those people that learn quick. I'm I'm very when you tell me, it doesn't matter who who tells me, I'll learn. I'll, I'm quick to learn, and I always pay attention. And now it, it's going to take time to apply to to the game and all these things. But I've heard you, like you told me. You can't run. I'm going to show you that I can run. You know, like, those, those details, I'm and I never forget either. Like, I'm really one of those, I, I have that ability. Uh, I'm thankful for that, that I really am competitive in that matter. Like, don't talk trash to me because two, three years from now, I'm going to catch you back somewhere, and I will remind you, not in words, because I'm not the, I, it, I was With your actions- talk. It's going to be all action. I'm not, I'm not into the talking game. You can talk all you want. You're going to see me on the court. That's just how it is.
0: When you think and say seven-foot center from Africa who wears number 55 and shot blocks, you're thinking Dikembe Mutombo. Is, did you look up to him wearing number 55? Was he an influence? Or were you not really familiar with him like that?
1: So, okay, moment of truth. No. Uh, I've met Dikembe... When I when I started in uh, in the first year that I played basketball, I was in the NBA uh, without borders in South Africa, mm-hmm. and that was my first time ever even hearing the name Bikambe Mutumbo. Uh Didn't know nothing, and he came to talk to me. I barely spoke any English. I didn't speak any English uh, to be honest, and just his voice scared me. Or oh, let's start with there the that deep voice. <laughs> Being new. And and I was like, "Uh, this is a lot to take in. We are at a camp with hundreds of kids, seven foot three, seven foot four, seven foot five. Like, and and the, all these kids are from different countries. And this is my first time leaving my country to play in a basketball to for anything really. And I'm in a basketball camp with." these NBA people and a whole lot of players, we in competition. So it was so much happening. In in a year, I done, I went to NBA Africa, uh, NBA Without Borders, then I got my scholarship to leave. It was so many things that were happening in that time. So I met him and I've learned a lot from those interactions. But to this day, I'm not a film guy. I don't, I never watched film. I don't, I've never really seen those people play until later on in my career where I was like, okay, I need to figure it out. So 55 really wasn't even about.
0: Oh my, that's crazy.
1: At all, because uh, and and it was so basic. Five is my favorite number because it's five people on the court. We, you, if you're not five complete players on the court, there is no way you win in the game. Like it's just that five. Like, and I'm a center five. Um, all the things that go to five. So in college, I played with number five. Um, and when I got to become a pro, uh, when I got to the NBA, I literally just went, okay, add another five to it. I made it. So add another five to it. And that was literally my reasoning behind 55. Um, but it was nothing to do. Wow. And so people used to go, are you related to Dikembe? <laughs> um, like, uh, we're not even from the same country. But, yeah, it's uh, from the Congo. <laughs> like, uh, but it's cool. I-, I take it as a, as a compliment. Um, in college, they used to ask me a lot. So even people used to go, you do the finger wave. I didn't know it was Kembe that we used to do it. So I started doing the finger wave and everything. Until later on, when I saw him do it, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, I see a." You I don't want that, that voice idea. yelling at yeah, you either. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it was really. It, it, I, I respect it. It's something about about uh, seeing someone that paved the way, because it was hard for my generation, honestly, to make it this far. Yeah, um, it's it's probably still hard for this generation coming from africa making it to a certain level and all these things but it's still different it's different now it's much uh the game have changed The opportunities have changed and all these things so knowing that he paved that way for us to be able to one day get a scholarship to go to america play there
0: that's what i want to i want to ask you how'd that yep. happen how'd that go from senegal to stone ridge high school in california what, fill in the blanks how does that happen mm-hmm. How does that paperwork
1: happen? Babacar used to have workouts, um, and and scouts used to come to Senegal. Um, They had scouts from colleges. Baylor University used to come down there. Uh, Scott Drew, USC, and all these guys used to to all come down and see these great talents that I was practicing with, and I wasn't a part of it. Okay, These guys were way ahead of me. Um, and they used to come down and check these guys out, and that's how they used to get scholarships to to get get to to america um and babacar did it the the right way that was the that was his always thing was he wanted to to make sure that people were not being taken advantage of one um and that it wasn't it wasn't about money. It wasn't about trying to uh, get around people, you know, make them make a little dime off of you and none of that stuff. He did it the the right way. You want to you want this kid, give him a scholarship and and treat him the right way to get to the next level. And so. All I had to do was get. It was like a SAT, but it was the test that you do before SAT. I can't remember. In Senegal, it's called BFM. Um, And he told me, if you pass that test, you might be able to get to high school in America and finish high school there. And that's really why I started basketball, because he told me, the sentence he said to me was, uh, if you get a scholarship to get to America, you can get a diploma from America and come back to Senegal and work anywhere you want. 'Cause it has a lot more value that I studied in America and I can come back. And since I was a geek, that's all I cared about. And I knew my dad cared about me having a diploma from America. Wow. I was like, basketball can give me free scholarship to go to America. I might need fifty cents too. <laughs> okay. That's that that sounds good to me, you know. <laughs> like to be honest, I'ma use this basketball thing and try to try to go go out there. And if wow. I get my diploma I'll come back and I'll work in Senegal. But basketball was just the way. And I didn't, I can't say that I was in love with basketball because I had just started. I had done probably a year or two of basketball and it was just like, it's cool, but I'm not really that great of an athlete. I'm not that good at this thing. Like, I know how to jump. Now I got the legs, but uh, hey, I'm not really good at everything else. So how am I going to work this out? nothing was sure nothing was in pen and paper i I didn't know anything so um like i say a good thing about me is i'm very realistic about what i what i see and what i, I know reality okay and the uh, babacar has never lied to me about anything he always told me look everyone wants to make it everyone has wants this opportunity um and so at the end of the day you have the potential, but what you do with your potential is up to you. That right there are things that you don't forget.
0: You go from Senegal, warm weather, California, warm mm-hmm. weather. How did Rutgers come in the picture? You're in the cold Northeast. How did that You're, happen? How did the recruiting happen?
1: You skipped the part. Okay. I started in New Jersey.
0: Oh, before California.
1: Before California, there oh, a tell whole, me, tell me. There is a whole park that was that, that I landed and I went to Burlington Life Center, New Jersey.
0: So, okay, okay.
1: That was my first, my junior year of high school. I went to Life Center, Burlington, New Jersey. That weather must uh, have killed you, right? Oh, that was my first time ever seeing snow. Um, I, I landed. I landed in JFK. I okay. Think. I I landed on uh, November fourth. Oh my God. Two thousand four. I'm never gonna forget that day. Uh, and right there I realized, oh snap, uh what is this? Um it's cold. I came in with a briefcase, not a suitcase, not a, okay, not, okay. Not a briefcase. You remember the squared ones? With, of course, like, of that, course. That, that that Pops used to take to school to, to work you know? and <laughs> that's what I came to America with, okay? My mom sold my clothes. Uh she made me a shirt. And some pants to go out to America. And that's what I was in my in my thing in a couple of draws. I ain't even had socks for basketball. So, oh, that, all of these things you have to put in consideration. So, when I landed in America, I'm like, whoa, uh, it's cold. W- 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 what do you guys do over here? Like, it's freezing. I have no money. I'm, I, how am I supposed to be functioning out here? So, uh, I figured things out quick. I learned really fast. I remember my first day waking up uh, at my host family, uh, who was actually a, a player before named Daryl Gladden. Um, and I was in, in their house and, and I remember w- waking up, opening the window one day and everything is white outside. And I'm just like, I've seen it in the movies, but this looks white, white, like white. I don't see nothing in it. It's all white. I ran outside, I'm looking at the thing, I'm like, wait, it's cold, it's ice, like, how is this thing, I'm looking at the snow, like, all these moments, (laughs) you just like, whoa, mind you, I am 16 years old, (laughs) in a whole new world, with no family around me, I got nothing, I barely know English at all, like, my dad told me to get out the airport, look at the exit sign or follow the crew, the crew. You follow the people that came out your thing. You, they're going to take you to where you're going to get your luggage and then they're going to walk you outside. Like, that's how I walked at the airport. And I didn't know who was picking me up. I didn't know what he looked like. I honestly thought he was white, but he wasn't. And uh, the, how am I supposed to guess these things? Of so course. when he said, how he? And I looked at him and I was like, You? Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, um, you learn a lot real quick. Like, all right, there's black people here, too. Like, <laughs> this is America. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I didn't put so many things together. Well, I you're a six year old before,
0: kid. That's a whirlwind, bro.
1: Complete whirlwind. And I just packed And I found out I was leaving maybe two months before. I, had, <laughs> I, I packed up. Had to get a visa had to get get, find a way to get my flight um then my sister was having a wedding the week before or two days before or something like that i i didn't even realize i was leaving my family when i got on the plane so these things are you don't realize none of these stuff when you just time to go so i realized it on the plane when everyone in my family noticed and wrote me letters to say goodbyes and Good lucks and ex girlfriends and the, all these things, and I'm on a plane reading all these letters. Like, wait a minute, I don't have a return ticket. How am I coming back home? When am I going to see you guys again? What? These guys going like, dude, that's I heavy, might not man.
0: See it. Yeah,
1: but a lot of people don't think about these things. No, when no, you, you think
0: just... America, basketball, <laughs> money, education. You forget what? All... Whoa, That's it. This is that's it. Such, Culture shock. That's a shell shock.
1: You don't know when you're going to see your mom again. You don't know when you're going to talk to them again. I have no idea how this thing is going to work. As a proof, I spoke to my mom, I think, when I landed. And then I realized that these phone calls cost a lot of money to call over there. So I didn't speak to them again for four months or something before I could speak to them again. <laughs> I had to go work somewhere to get money to get a, them prepaid cards and then come back to the house and ask how to use it. And you, That was three minutes of a call if you pay $5. So yeah. you're just like that's not gonna work out. Um, but all of it is adjustment. All of it to me was the moment the plane landed in JFK, I knew, well, you're here now, you figure it out or they're gonna ship you back to Africa. You grew up you real quick. Want that. Oh, that's quick, the quickest wake up call ever. Like I was all in tears the whole flight and then I landed and it was just like, all right, let's get to work.
0: Time to man up.
1: I uh, got nothing else. <laughs> so listen, so, yeah.
0: but how many you see the cold. Now you're in California where it's nice. Why back to Jersey where it's cold and snow again? Uh,
1: well, the recruitment for me was um, – it was very interesting because I really was recruited, highly recruited. Uh, I had, what, UConn, Pittsburgh, um, uh, Miami University, um, Rutgers, and USC. And Baylor. Wow. Okay. Um, I visited three places, which were uh, Miami University. I went to um, Pittsburgh, and I went to Rutgers. (laughs) That was complete whirlwind. Okay. Um, To be honest, I could have signed in Miami. When I got to Miami.
0: That's tough to say no to.
1: That was my first visit. And I went to Miami. It was summertime. I remember or it was just hot. I can't remember what (laughs) time it was just it was just beautiful. And um, I got on a campus and I'm looking at people in bikinis going to classes with books and surfboards. And it never made sense to me. And I'm just like, there is women going to. Class in a bikini, there is a the guys in the on the basketball team are having so much fun like they had they showed me the best time i never i never had that much of a great time in my entire four year career like
0: okay okay
1: what i lived in miami was one of a kind i don't even want to put it on the podcast because <laughs> it was the, it was the most amazing time i had and i remember calling my parents from the coach's office <laughs> and I was like, it was like, how is it? I said, I feel like I'm in Senegal. The weather is just like home. I feel the air, the the water, I can I can taste the ocean. Like from where I'm at, it's, they have a pool in the middle of campus and people are going to class and then going to the pool and all of these things. They was like, so you're gonna go there? I said, nope. And I had to say it in wall off so that the coach doesn't understand right away. I said, nope. My, and my dad goes, why? I said, because I'll never graduate.
0: You you knew you were still you were so much of a nerd really, and you saw the you saw you saw like if I come here, I'm just gonna party. I'll be out there by a few. There is
1: absolutely no way I would have graduated if I went to Miami University. It was the best possible choice I've made at that time. Where I was like, if I stay here, if I come in this school, yeah, there's gonna be no studying. Uh, No, I can see it. Um, and I didn't make this trip and live through what I lived through to be able to just have fun. It was in time for throw fun. It all yeah. away. It, it, I was going to throw it all away. And I had to make that decision right at the spot. And I was just like, no, I can't do this. Now I left Miami and went to Pittsburgh. Went to Pittsburgh and I'm just like, whoa. Now it was 360. Uh I couldn't figure out the guys on the team. It just felt so strict. And then I, I was supposed to sit out a year. They were like, we have this big that, that uh, we still want to to show off. So you might have to sit out a year and we'll work with you and all these things. And I'm just like, I need experience. I don't have enough experience to sit out you a year. You need like, time. I need to learn right away. I, I need to be out there and, and make mistakes. Uh, like I knew my only way of learning was make. let me make my mistakes and tell me how to fix it you know uh and it was a bit disappointing because i knew they had a great team and that they could have won a lot of stuff yeah and it was like yeah but is it the right choice for you um and <laughs> now i get to records <laughs> one the head coach is not there he got stuck in a storm in a snowstorm somewhere and couldn't make it to the game during the weekend i was there Two, there was a snowstorm in, in New Jersey at the time that i seen seen so much snow happening. Um, and I was just like, this, this is crazy. Like, you guys, you, there's nothing here. Um, and Quincy Doobie was there. And so Quincy was like, yeah, you know, it would be great to have you. We need another big that can do this. But they were pretty real and honest about their interactions with me, where what I knew was they would've gave me a chance to play and I would make my mistakes. I would learn certain things. Um, I wasn't guaranteed to start nowhere, but they knew that I needed the experience and the school scene, it resonated with me for some reason. There was something with me that I just was like, you know, it would keep me focused. It's gonna be cold. I don't have time with anything else. I know I'll have access to the gym and I'll be able to go and work on my game. Um, that's all I, I cared about really. And the the fact that they really spoke about the academics. It was mm-hmm. like, you going to, you going to. Which is to important get, to you. That was so important to me. Like, I was like, I have to get this diploma no matter what. So, um, I, I, it was, he got, he went fast and I was just like, I'll make this decision and go to Rutgers because that's where I knew I could Stay focused on, on on this mission. It was it, I, I was on the mission from the beginning, and I wasn't going to mess it up right away. You and right. they were one of the first to, to come come visit me. Uh, I remember when they when I first got to America, I didn't speak English yet. I spoke to them while I was in at, uh, Life Center Academy, and I didn't speak English, so they were kind of speaking a little fast or whatever. Three months later, they come back, and I'm speaking English now, and they go. Yeah, you know, we have a campus, we have this and this and that. And I go, uh, yeah, but what about me? What do you guys have for me? And I remember the coach looking at each other like, We, we don't know this question sh- yet. What, 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 what? He speaks now, like he actually understands what we're saying. And I'm like, Yeah, I learned quick. Don't you worry now. <laughs> I, I'm going to ask the question.
0: <laughs> when you get on campus, how many times did you go to those food trucks? Those oh. food trucks with those sandwiches?
1: Listen. Um, <laughs> Listen, freshman year, I think I lived there. Um, yeah, freshman year was me and the food trucks. It was I knew every sandwich that was out there. I ate each and every single one of them. That was that was it. Like that was all my money went in, into the food trucks. Like I probably funded those those food trucks for for a while. And afterwards, I couldn't do it anymore. Like it was just like no. Nah, <laughs> After freshman year, you got – and every time I saw everyone go, we going to the food truck. I'm like, nope, I'm going the other way. You uh, I'm done.
0: At Rutgers, you're playing at North Carolina, Villanova, UConn, Madison Square Garden. Is the NBA now – because you're always, your thing was always education. Now is the NBA like, holy crap, I'm playing in these big arenas against big guys. Are you thinking, okay, I want to play at the next level now? Is that really when it started hitting you?
1: No. No. Wow. No, not even close. Uh Yeah. Uh <laughs> I told the story this morning in the locker room. That's funny. Um, No, the NBA was never really something that I saw as a great possibility. for me. But
0: but how so? Because you're averaging almost five blocks a game. You're defensive mm -hmm. player of the year. You're getting all these awards, (laughs) these accolades. How are you not thinking NBA? Seven-foot guy flies around the gym.
1: I'm also from Africa. I had to fight against a whole lot to be even recognized. As you can see, I even got rid of my accent, which I regret now because I wanted to blend in. Mm -hmm. Um, It was things that I just didn't think they were going to get me because of my background. Um, And the fact, again, that I started basketball around 15, 16, I didn't have enough skills. That guy that I'm fighting against was way better than me Played eight years, eight years old, he probably started playing. Listen, this guy been is is just top notch. Like he can t- he can shoot a three pointer. I, I I can't I can't make my free throws. So there's no reason this NBA people is going to even look at me. So uh, I just put my mind into the work. He got to become my refuge. I hid behind basketball. When people went to Christmas and all these things, I stayed in the gym. Um, when people had, again, no family around, I had to. That was all I had was basketball. And one um, one of the coaches, which was one of the, uh, I think it was Coach Savino or Coach Card, asked me one time, do I actually love the game? Um, which made me realize, wait, you have to love this thing. I Do I actually love the game? Um, I, I work tirelessly. I um outwork anybody, but is, does it mean I actually love the game? Um, do you, when do you develop this thing that go, I can't stay without a basketball? I, when do you go, I really actually enjoy being on the court and doing things. All I really love, to be honest, was winning games. Um, all that gave me satisfaction was at the end of a game, winning it. It was nothing else behind, like, I just enjoyed winning games and seeing the the Rack Pack, as they call it, the fans at Rutgers, yeah, yeah, yeah. go crazy when we won a game. That feeling was, wow! hold on. You with me? Like, I felt the energy of every single person on the court, and I felt like I was fighting for the Scarlet Knights because I, I kind of, I I can't, I can't really say I blocked everything out. I I figured like tunnel vision. That was it. I was always in tunnel vision. So, which made, again, I can't see nobody else. I don't know who the competition is. Um, You have highlights. I'm not watching your highlights. Show me what you can do on the court. And then I'll have my own. Okay. I seen that he can do this. He can do this. He can do this. Um, and it was at records that I started developing this this love. That, um, I had an amazing coach, Coach Kruger, who came down and first guy who actually sat me down and showed me film of myself. Look, you can improve here. You can improve here. You can improve here and all these things. And that. that's where I really was like, I can see it now. I can see my mistakes. I can see where I'm good at. Okay. I can get better. I can work on it and those things, and they took really the time to uh all my coaches at records one by one. Like, I would be devastated when a coach came and left it or, or, or changed jobs. Uh, I was devastated because I'm like, "Who's? I don't." It's hard to convince people to I, or, already be with you. Yeah, and like, um, this is your family now. This is my family. Like, I have no, my my parents. Even my mom said, calls me the child of everybody else. To this day, when I call, that's what she calls me, the child of everybody else, because I've made other families around to to fill in the gaps. I, I, I had to build that with basketball. And um, I started actually loving the game through while I was at Rutgers. Wow. I started feeling okay. this love of, of of winning, this love that it's not about you. It's about this team, and if this team do, does well, everyone is recognized. If the, these things that you actually, I should have learned a long time ago. If I played young AAU and all these things, you learn these. These I never had that. So, um, I use Rutgers to 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 help me really progress in that manner, and, and that was uh, that's where the love really came. So when you talk NBA to me. I didn't even see my name being called at the draft because well, I was watching it.
0: I want to talk about that. Let's go to June 24th, 2010. Yes. I was there. I'm the biggest Kentucky fan in the world. All the Kentucky guys come on my show. They send me jerseys. John Wall goes. Your boy Boogie Cousins goes. Take me to the second round. And I know – see, here's the thing. it, mean, You're such a humble dude. You see these guys go. The big names. The Kentucky guys. The Duke guys. Tell me when the 56th pick comes and the Minnesota Timberwolves select – like. What is going through your mind? Where are you? How are you watching this? So, yeah, I said it this morning. This is this is great,
1: uh, amazing. Um, so, me personally, I did I think fourteen workouts before before the draft, and I've killed myself in every single workout. The only thing you could tell about me was the heart that I had. Like I gave everything that I had in those workouts to show that I belong in the NBA and all that. These these were the moments where. In these workouts is where I really started believing, okay, I can probably make it to the NBA for real. Um, Because I got to the workouts and going against every single person in college, basically, you just go, whoa, you're not going to outwork me. I belong uh, now. I belong here. Um But. I still was realistic enough to know that, okay, I was defensive player of the year in the Big East and all these things after the beat had already left the previous year. Um, and I, I felt like I could do it, but don't fool yourself uh, until I, until I see a result. I can only speak on results. Okay. So all the way to the day of the draft. My agent is calling me and it's like, yeah, you know, you might have a chance here and there. Uh, We're talking to this and talking to that. I'm not hearing any of these things because I don't know. Let's just I see all these names that should be drafted way before me. And I ain't see them go in the first round. So it was it was a lot of guys that did not get drafted in that Mm -hmm. that were supposed to go that I was like, okay, guys, let's be real. Um, these bigs are going one by one and a lot of names haven't gone yet so um, when when I, I fast forward forward to the first, first round is gone, cool, second round all the way to 40 is going I'm alright and um, I think 42nd goes my agent has said something about number 42nd and I was like ah, I don't think I'm going to go 42nd, that's still oh. pretty high but it's I'm hoping it's not, okay, cool, no worries. And I remember seeing uh, in the 50s, what was his name? Herring Goldie. was the best scorer in in Notre Dame. And Mm -hmm. every time I played him, I made sure that he did not get his average, no matter what we did. My best games were against him because it was always me and you. You the best on on offense, maybe, but I'm the best on defense, uh-huh. and we gonna we this is gonna be a battle, Um, and that was something that really hit me when he got drafted. Uh I remember feeling like, all right, that's it, my my nemesis is gone. You know, like, am I gonna get? Am, am I am I sorry? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm like. Am I am I going to get picked? Is it going to happen? Um, and he got picked exactly. My agent had said, "You're going to get picked right there, exactly that pick." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So in my mind, I was thinking of what am I going to do next? Do I go to summer league? Do I go to uh, um, training camp? You know, how am I going to step foot in the NBA and work out? I wasn't planning on going to the NBA and be a star. (laughs) Realistic. I wanted to go and learn. That's all I had in mind. So um, I didn't care how I was going to get there, but I just wanted to go and and make, have a year of progression, of having personal coaches. Because that year, my senior year was the first time I even had a personal trainer. Um, Never really had that. I never knew what that was. So I was like, if I get there, they have a bunch of those guys that work out. Like, that will work me out like personally. He will teach me things that I've never had. Like, um, And that was my dream. So when 55th pick got called, I was looking at the screen, but my mind was so far gone. Like, what's I'm really next? calculating. Yeah. What's next? How are we going to get there? Um, and I was in at the draft. I was at, at, at the, my friend's house who was actually, he had me. I was staying there because I had nowhere else to go. After college, where do you, where do I go? So um, I had this amazing guy who just was like, "You come to my house, you stay in my basement, whatever it is," and it was amazing. Like I'm so grateful for for those those people that actually helped me along the way. And you go um, 56, go. All my friends are doing flips and happy here and hugging. I'm sitting on a couch like this. And they go, H, look, and I'm looking, and I see a guy in a red running on the court and doing the stuff. I'm like, I recognize this guy. I know this. Wait, hold on. That's, oh snap, that's me. Like in that moment is where I'm real. it's probably the whole whole highlight went past, and you just flip to the next guy, and I'm sitting there like. It was me. It was really me. Like I just see
0: Oh my God. That means
1: I got drafted. Like I'm drafted to the NBA. Like I'm having a, that moment of I really did this. What I what I really thought was was uh, uh, was so impossible, let's say, became a reality in that moment.
0: <laughs> so that's how that's wow that, how that's I lived emotional, it. bro. So now you get traded right away to Washington. What's the first purchase you made with your contract?
1: The first purchase I made with my contract,
0: my car. Okay, that's a good one. Okay. Did you purchase anything stupid? Did you make any dumb decisions like, oh, oh, good, smart, smart man? Now, Hamidi, what's cooler? Absolutely not. Being on your first basketball card or being in NBA 2K? Hmm.
1: I will go with 2K. I, I, I didn't have a knowledge on uh, of uh, of cards and okay, of, okay. on those things. But so you know video I, we games? Had to, we had to sign a lot of them, and I, I wasn't good at video games either. But here's the moment that the kicker for me was when my best friend at the time was playing me in 2K. And I'm watching this guy playing me in 2K and only using me, doing things that I, I can't do. He had, like, probably good 50 points with me in the game. And I'm sitting there, like, watching me. That is awesome. Um, I was like, wait a minute. I got to learn this move. How How did you do that again? What did you press again? How's he, he dropping to... 50? And I'm like, this guy can shoot? You got this guy shooting? And he's shooting and making shots? What? Like, it, it was awesome to actually live it so being in 2k for me was was really awesome um every single time i i went to buy it i didn't play it because i didn't know how to i don't yeah. play sports games but i bought it just to have of it, course just so you're say, in the game ah, i was in the game yeah
0: <laughs> you go into a locker room with gilbert arenas mike bibby john wall do you go around introducing yourself like hey i'm the new guy
1: oh there's no need then. you're the
0: rookie then <laughs> wait now listen you're a seven foot rookie are you getting any rookie hazing?
1: I was. You think John Wall got got rookie hazing? I took the rookie hazing for everybody. <laughs> they're, not, was, they're
0: not get did not hazing the one pick.
1: <laughs> listen, I'm 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 African. I don't mind the hazing. I'm gonna do it for you guys. I want to be here yeah. with you guys. What What do you need? I'm, I was doing. I was hazing myself. Look, <laughs> what do you need? I got you. Like, don't you worry. You need a sandwich? I'm gonna go get it for you. Uh, uh, honestly that was that that's how i am already i'm already humble enough to know that i wasn't that big of a but i enjoyed just that was part of the process that was part of what it is to to be in the nba and i was going to live every part of it you had andre blatch who's still my friend to this day because of that he was my vet nick young these guys where you listen to them davil mcgee and um it's funny story, when I got drafted, my agent was like, you know, you're going to get to the NBA and you, there is a guy that is more athletic than you in the NBA. And I'm like, more athletic than me? Like, do you know what I can do? That's impossible. He goes, yeah. It was, you know, you ever heard of JaVale McGee? I, said, I don't watch basketball. To, to I don't know who these people are. Like, I couldn't tell you what Gilbert Arenas had done the year before. I didn't know because I was so in my bubble. Uh-huh. I've been in my bubble, so I didn't even know what was happening. So when when I get to, to the Wizards and I see JaVale grab a ball and just do one of his wild tricks in the air, I'm sitting there like, whoa, okay, all right, what did I sign up for? <laughs> what did I put myself into? This is crazy. But what made, made me stay because 15 minutes after the draft, I got called to say that they didn't want me to come to training camp. Too many rookies, uh, which I understand now. You had John Wall, Trevor Booker, Kevin Serafin, uh Jordan Crawford that came later on. You, it's too many people. Yeah. There was a controversy with Gilbert Arenas that happened to year before. It was so many things happening. And they called me and they go, we want you to go overseas. And I go, I'm sorry, but I'm from overseas. I'm not going back. Uh, you guys going to have to see me over there. And I'll come and do what I got to do. But you're going to have to, we're going to have to figure this out. And it's... He came out without me even thinking. Yeah, like my agent was like, "What did you just no, you do?" Spoke from the heart, it was like I worked too hard. You're not going to just send me out there. I, I, I didn't know any of these things, how the NBA works. So I went and I had to earn my spot, and I earned that spot because I worked. <laughs> I didn't leave no crumbs for anything. It was. Nothing. I'm not the number one pick. I'm the last, almost last pick but I'm gonna stay here. When training camp was over and almost half the, the draft is gone from, from the NBA, I'm like, no, 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 we're gonna work this. I need to stay. Like, So all the years that I spent out there, to be honest, were just, it was awesome for me to, it's the work. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's work. I didn't let anything distract me out of putting in the work at all times to get where I always said I was going to do. Whenever I put my mind into something, I'm gonna f- work to get there until it breaks. So yeah,
0: your first game against the Orlando Magic. I think Dwight Howard. <laughs> what was your welcome to the NBA moment?
1: That was that moment right there. Wait, wait, wait that what was that? Was that was that game? You're covering that your the, face the, while I tell me. That was that was the moment. That was uh, Ooh. okay. Hi, so <laughs> that story. It was really my first game, and um, I remember when we was warming up, coach telling me that I'm going to play, first off. And I'm like, I am going to play? I'm active? He goes, yeah, you deserve it. And I'm just like, really? Great. Let's get it done. And uh, I hear guys talking about Dwight, we're warming up. And I'm I'm mad on the inside. I'm like, we're about to play against this guy. I don't care who he is. I know it's Dwight Howard, but yeah. we're going to have to go at it. Like, i'm never going to sit there and talk about somebody else you know like so i had this fire inside of me that i'm going to prove myself and lucky for me i tried to prove myself yeah i, I stepped on that court i stepped on that court in the last seconds of the, the half um like 30 seconds in the half all i remember from that game was that moment where i get in the game and i see dwight they they having like uh they come in and, in fast break and Dwight um, is coming, he inbound the ball and it's coming up, he's running and somebody shot the ball in college. You throw your body at the guy, so that at his legs so that he can't jump and go for the rebound, for the offensive rebound. And I saw the speed at which he was running, which for me was like, oh no, you're not getting no put back. I don't care if you're Dwight Howard, I'm a I'm a box out like that. I'm gonna do my job to the tee. But as I turned around and threw myself at him, he hit me so hard that every spine, that every bone in my back, I heard it go. And I and ended up, I hit him by the free throw line for what I believe. When I opened my eyes again, I was underneath the rim.
0: No.
1: And I could not walk. And I was like, what just hit me? Like a freight train, freight train, just one. Yeah. And I remember Kevin and Seraphim laughing at me and going, are you okay? And I'm trying to hold my pride and walking as slow as I can because I could not walk fast after that hit. And I'm just like, I'm not okay at all. Like, I can't move. My back. I don't know what he did. It hit me so hard that I can't I can't move. Like and I was in pain for weeks after that. That was my welcome to the NBA
0: moment where I was just like, Okay, we got work to do. What I think I, I gained 40 pounds that year. Do you remember what team you scored your first points against? Nope. The Atlanta Absolutely. Hawks. Really? Yes, yes, yes. Uh that league, you know, up and down, jumping around, you make the move to China to work on your game. What's the biggest difference with you playing? Now you're playing all over the world. What's the kind of game in China, the pros and cons of playing there?
1: Um, for me, it was all pros, really, because I went from sitting on a bench for a whole year almost, barely playing in the NBA, and and really not being myself. My second year with the Wizards, I was almost – I was depressed, uh, I didn't feel like a basketball player. People, you would ask me for an autograph, and I was like, "I don't play. Like, I'm I'm not worth nothing. Like, oh. I don't see the court at all. I, I I was inside. I was destroyed because I worked hard, practice. I was there before everybody. I made sure that my work ethic never changed, but I never was rewarded. And that can really break you after a while. So of course. One of the best decisions my agent made was go play in China. And when I get there and I'm playing 34 minutes, 30 minutes a game, I'm like, hold up, wait, this is just I can't breathe. This is too much. What? Uh they're asking me to score, they're asking me to play defense, they're asking me to do like who who does this? Why would you do that to a person like I don't know. I'm NBA, they don't want me. Over here, you guys are and that was a wake up call for me where I go, I'm wanted elsewhere. Yeah. You are appreciated elsewhere. Um and and I got to show everything that I worked on all these years that I said I wanted to do the NBA to work on my game. And now I get to oh, here you go, the ball. Do what you want with it. And I'm just like, whoa, that's that right there was The best thing I could have done, in my like, when I uh, when I think about it, it was a decision that, yeah, it's not for everybody. Going overseas is hard. Yeah, especially
0: to China. You don't speak the language. The food's (laughs) different. I I don't think they have Senegalese food out there. I don't think so.
1: Trust me, they don't have no other food but theirs. Um, And it's not the Chinese food we know. Even in McDonald's, it's not a McDonald's that I know. So uh, yeah, that was a crazy adjustment for me, but it brought me back. It,
0: it brought, brought back me back to the Kings. Be- you got you went to the Kings after because you worked on your game. You play with my boy Boogie Cousins. I love Boogie. Yes, yes, that's a wild thing. And then after the Kings, this is where I'm so intrigued with your career. <laughs> you made it to the NBA twice. Then you play in mm-hmm. Lebanon, the Philippines, Israel, Spain, Italy, France, moving all around. The most important thing for guys like us, best food. What country has the best food? Ooh.
1: Wow. Um, wow, that's a good question. I want to say Israel.
0: Oh, Israel foods off the hook.
1: Okay. I wanna say Israel. I love the food in Israel. Um I loved it in Lebanon, but I'd never liked my experience in Lebanon, so it kind of cut away from a lot of stuff out okay, there okay. um but israel to me was was amazing um that's 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 mm-hmm. one of my favorite foods for sure for food just for the food that one is 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 top notch
0: yeah my my wife's from the Philippines, so we go there a bunch. you played there twice. They love the PBA out there. The fans are crazy. They're short dudes. They love the game out there. How's your time in the Philippines? You enjoy it?
1: No, that's my favorite place. How awesome is that place? No, that's that's my favorite place that I ever played at is the wow, Philippines. Wow. In my heart, like I'm Filipino. I don't care what nobody say. we am not even Filipino, I'm Filipino. Okay? We don't we, we don't <laughs> That play is amazing with this. you just said Yeah, okay. This, okay, this This, this, the Philippines is the place for me where um, I put it near my national team. Like playing with the Philippines for me is, is awesome. I said it again. You, I'm, you, you bringing up a lot of stuff that I spoke about today. Like, I want to go back to the Philippines just because one, the people are awesome. I've never been in a country where people are so nice. I've I've never been in a place where they make you feel so welcome, so loved from morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. They're singing it to you where like all day long and then the fans in the basketball. So
0: passionate. I,
1: I was playing for Manny Pacquiao.
0: He's Imagine. a god now.
1: He's a god oh,
0: over there. Oh,
1: listen. <laughs> Honestly, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Did you ever like, meet Manny? Yes. We were eating at his house. Like, it's, it was, it was so, it, it was around the fight with Floyd. That's when I was there. I was Holy supposed to. Holy crap. Walk, he was going to fly me out to walk him to the ring and then fly me back to the Philippines. And my agent was like. No, this kid needs to be I was and humble me was like it's not really for me to be all in a limelight like like that. Like, but imagine he had he was so amazing. Like honestly, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, <laughs> I, I played afterwards for their second national team, the Mighty yeah. Sports uh uh with the with the Wong Chucking, who are so amazing, like they, they, these guys just
0: love people they, you're they right they, they love people Good, that's such a great way to say it. they love food and people this how can you
1: i couldn't be there is nothing the philippines could have done wrong it was just like i love that place and like it's really like one of the nearest places in my heart for real <laughs> my wife's.
0: my wife's gonna love hearing that now let me ask you you're a big dude. You're a senator. You're getting so much playing time. You're playing awesome. Why jump from country to country? You're in the Philippines, France. Why the change? Like, how does that happen after a season?
1: Um, I, okay, that's the personal, that was very personal because when I was growing up, my father used to travel a lot. I used to think my father had a plane because he traveled so much. And when he came home, he used to tell us stories about every country. When he went to China, when he went to Japan, when he went to every country in Africa, when he was in Europe, like he would come back and tell us these stories. And I wanted to live it for myself. I wanted to go and live the culture. I wanted to have this experience that I can tell later on, I've done this. I've seen it for myself. I walked the Great Wall by myself. I walked up there and I've seen it. Like these experiences are something you can't. It's not a documentary. That's going to of movie or whatever that is. But once you lived it, you've been there. Going to Israel, going to the Holy Land, and 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 doing certain things. And to me, it was basketball is opening doors for me to go see the world for what it is. I'm going to take this opportunity as it is and be appreciated for it. The the time I spent on the bench in the NBA taught me something very clear. It was okay. You like basketball, but are you doing it for fame? Are you doing it for the money? Are you doing it for, for the title NBA? Or is it just for actually basketball? Because you can play basketball anywhere. And you can enjoy playing basketball. And, clap and keyword, you can win anywhere if you put your mind to it. So why not go and give these people what they actually love to see. When I get to a country and I see that people are enjoying the game, when you see me play on the court, you couldn't tell what my stats is because I don't care, I just wanna win. And people feel that and can relate. All my fans from Italy to, to to Spain, to everywhere that I've been, you will feel the same age everywhere that I played at because I enjoyed, I, I put myself into the culture. I would even hire tutors to learn the language and see how to do certain things so cuz you have to adapt be someone that can adapt in any situation be able to 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 change your game to okay today i'm needed to score 30 points or tomorrow i'm needed to just rebound the ball and not touch the ball you know like when you are able to do that that changes that that broaden your 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 ass your your life view even like how I felt 20 years ago about the world is not how I feel today because I've got to experience this thing. If someone comes up and tell me, yeah, uh, like when I was younger, I used to see a lot of bad images on Israel, Lebanon, and all these things, and where you go, Oh, it's dangerous. And I'm go, no, it's not. You should just go see it for yourself. Not check the news and none of that. Go live it and then you, you will
0: see. It. You're speaking to me on a level. We should have another podcast because – no, I'm trying to visit every country in the world, okay? I've been to 94 countries. It's my biggest passion. And the reason I'm going in November to Senegal, I'm also flying to the DRC and the ROC. I'm going to both Congos. I went to Afghanistan because all you hear is, bro, you're going to Africa, you go going to the Congo, you're going to die. I'm like, okay. You'll get kidnapped. I said, okay. And then you go to these places and you meet the people – my dream, since I've been little, is to cross over from Kinshasa to Brazzaville in the Congo River to go to Senegal and try the food. You, you, you meet. I just got back. I told you from Afghanistan. I went to all. You go to these places where you where quote unquote not supposed to go because you know the news tells you. Oh, you go to Israel, you're getting blown up, and then you go there, and then you eat the food, and then you go to the Congo, and you meet these people, Zimbabwe. You go to these places, and then you come back, and I'll tell you this: how many? Nothing will make. Eventually, in five years, if you and I meet at a bar somewhere, I was in Senegal. When you hear someone was in your home country, yes, it changes it. So the fact that you did it for personal reasons made yeah. me so happy. But I want to talk about going home. Tell mm-hmm. me about the pride you had playing for your country in 2014 for Senegal because you leave. You do the thing. You're the American guy, the NBA guy. Tell me about playing for your country, throwing on the Senegal jersey. Like, how does that feel like? Holy crap, I I just came back home and I'm representing my country.
1: So, 2014 can't be spoken about without speaking of 2013 first. Okay. 2013 was my first time going to the national team. And um, I was in the NBA already for, for a couple of years. And I've been to Senegal in those couple of years. I walked down the street. And no one knew who I was. Okay. I remember this clearly. I remember calling my girlfriend at the time and going, well, I'm in my own country. And no one asked me for an autograph. That is something that hits you. And as you know me, humble. I go, this is awesome. I'm invisible. It's a bunch of tall guys walking around the streets. No one realized that I'm even seven
0: foot. No one asked me. I was for just nothing. gonna say, Hamdi, you My, walk down the streets in Minnesota somewhere, a seven foot black dude, like wait, sir, have they don't know who you are, can you autograph? In Africa, you're just another dude.
1: It's it's just you just go, whoa. I, I felt invisible and I liked it. You know, I was like, yo. So 2013, I decide, okay, I'm gonna go to the national team for the first time moving we afro basket. Um and we playing competition to, to qualify for the World Cup first and win against all these African countries. And sorry, my phone is I'm going to have to probably hold it up, hopefully. Yep, we're good. So we go in there and we gotta qualify, but there is really no expectations because we haven't qualified for the World Cup in 20 years or something like that at the time, and um, I remember going there with this mentality: I'm going to bring a medal home. I don't know what it is, but I'm bringing a medal home, and I wanted to bring the gold, but come to, we lose to Egypt so randomly. Um, I, I still can't explain that game. It's one of those games where you just like, what happened to us? Um, and I remember seeing how defeated we, we looked as a team at that moment, where I was just like, well, I'm going to be honest with you guys. My parents came to Ivory Coast to see me play, which is a rare, mm-hmm. rare thing. Uh, We're playing... Ivory Coast, in Ivory Coast for the third place, for the bronze medal. And I remember telling the team, I don't care who you are. If you are not ready to play, don't step on that court. Because I'm going to give everything I got. If my parents, as old as they are, came here to see me play, people, I didn't even know the impact they had in Senegal. Because I still thought I was pretty invisible. All I thought was my parents came to see me, which is, My senior night, uh, it's the rare moments that my parents get to see me play basketball live. So I'm here. I'm representing my country. It's like going to the army.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to kill in this game. I don't care what happens. We're going to fight to the end. And uh, we fight that game. Man, we win the game. I'm like, wait a minute. We really qualified for the World Cup, so that means next year we go into the World Cup. Everyone is like, "Yeah, happy." Now, because I'm me, I didn't even spend 48 hours in Senegal. After that, I flew home, and in that 48 hours, could not walk in no streets in Senegal.
0: Now everyone knew you,
1: and I was like, "Oh God." What just happened? Kids doing the finger wave and hitting their chest and going all crazy,
0: and I was like, I have impacted way more people than I thought
1: would even know that I play basketball. Like I didn't think people watch because football is the thing. So of course I didn't think people watch basketball that it was even televised. I didn't think I'm so tunnel. Yeah. I play with tunnel vision. I don't see, I don't think of none of the outside stuff. So when then, when that 48 hours happened and I had to go to work right after, I was in shocker. So 2014, when we go to the World Cup, <laughs> I still feel it
0: here. Yeah. Oh my God. You get choked up thinking about it. It's, it's
1: this is my people. This is not for me. I remember saying, I'm not doing any of this for me. I have nothing, I'm not gaining anything from this. But I want these kids to see that they have a chance. I want kids to know that you can use basketball and get to a next level. And we fought these games, winning first off Mm -hmm. against teams that we were not supposed to be winning against, all offer belief in ourselves.
0: The all of heart
1: were, oh, your heart woof the conditions were horrible for us we don't we didn't have the funds the means we did a bunch of stuff that were not supposed to be happening like i was literally think thinking back at it like we really struggled for a country like us to make it that far but fighting the fight was visible on on screen everyone saw that we gave everything we had and that is not something you can replace, change. or t- It's it's a love that to this day, when you asked me earlier, if people know me out there, it's all for 2014 and 2013. Because it's a love, I've, When when it's genuine, I say basketball is honest. It's a sport that is so quick. Everything is fast. You cannot lie on the court. You cannot show a different face. Who you are is what shows on the court. And that is what everyone saw. That I personally, in my heart, love the game. And now you love what I do. And I will give everything. When you wear that jersey that says Senegal on I haven't, I can't tell you, and, and there is nothing that, I forgot my name was back there. All I saw was Senegal. All oh I just got I just was, got
0: chills, bro. <laughs> that
1: that is a that's some moment that you cannot I was I don't cry and that was a moment I cried on TV. like you 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 can't catch me crying on TV because I knew that the next generation saw the possibility that I didn't see before. I saw, I recreated something, and it wasn't me, it was the team. The team opened up doors for old kids. There you go, wait. People just go, look at these guys. They are from that village over there, and they made it all the way this far for a certain reason. They're national heroes. That right there means more to me than everything that I've done in my career, even more than the NBA.
0: I've had you on the podcast for an hour and 20 minutes, so here's what we're gonna do. (laughs) We're gonna finish up with a few quick hit questions, and then here's what we're yeah. gonna do. When I after I come back from Senegal at the end of November, we'll do part two. We're gonna talk about playing in France, how you propose to your girlfriend, the romantic, uh, the romantic age. We're gonna talk about that. But you ready to finish up with some quick hit questions? Let's do it. Two a.m. What's your favorite food to eat? Two a.m. You just got home. You're tired. What are you gonna eat?
1: Yogurt or now it's chia seeds. It's is a chia seed pudding that my, that, that my my wife makes. Yeah.
0: How about this? The last time you asked someone for an autograph or a picture.
1: Wow. Ouch. Uh, a pick. Who? Well, yeah, bubble car. <laughs> this summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: About, you play in the NBA, you play with a lot of great players, you're a great player. What's the coolest piece of memorabilia that you own?
1: Coolest piece of memorabilia that I own. I it's okay. me saying goodbye to the fans in Poe after
0: having won uh the, the French Cup a couple of years ago. That's a great picture, by the way. How about this? How about this, H? You come to New York, you and I hang out in a bar. Who's mm-hmm. the coolest? person or celebrity in your phone that if you texted them they would text you back in new york yeah you and i are in new york you want to impress everyone everyone's like oh my god this dude's seven feet tall playing the nba and you're like look who i know this guy's in my phone who are you gonna text
1: wow i truly wouldn't know uh would have to be a really good friend so i'll say andre blatch
0: (laughs) that's that's a good answer though that andre blatch would be my guy yeah that's a very good answer how about this What's your favorite show to binge watch?
1: Show to binge watch. Now lately, I've been on these uh, anime things or whatever it is. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I can sit and watch uh, Naruto for over and over. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's hard to, to to talk about. Oh, The Chosen.
0: Oh, okay. Very good answer. I got to say something, dude. I've been looking forward to having you on. And I got to tell you, I had like a few questions I want to ask you about your history. Tell me the story in November when you get to Jersey and seeing the snow to the draft stories. Like, thank you for opening up and not just being like, yes, I know the draft was great. Like, dude, you really spoke (laughs) from the heart. You gave me tips about Senegal. I'm going to keep in touch with you, but I'm serious. I'm going there in November. Afterwards, we're going to do a follow up and you can interview me about. My time in your beautiful country, let's right? Let's do that. that Brother, I, I'm looking forward to it Stay safe and let's keep in touch, all right? Thank you. Thank oh, this you. This was so much fun, man. Talk to you later. <laughs> all right, man. Bye-bye. Bye.